welcome to another episode of It Only Takes a Spark. Today's reading comes from the book of Matthew chapter 2 verses 13 to 18. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been deceived by the Magi, he became furious. He ordered the massacre of all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had ascertained from the Magi. Then was fulfilled what had been said through Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard in Ramah, sobbing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children as she would not be consoled since they were no more. Wow, it is just so interesting when you look at that whole reading, right? That once again, God in his great wisdom, he is working, you know, he's still, he's still working on, on, on fulfilling his plan, right? I remember there was a song when I was younger, what's that, um, he's still working on me, he's, you know, he's even in our day, and if we don't, you know, observe his signals or pick up uh, his signals in the daytime, he taps into our, our dreams, right? It was like that song, he's still working on me. To make me what I have to be. He took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and... Oh, you know the song. I don't have to read, sing the rest. But it was a beautiful song, but he is still working. So Angel appearing to Joseph, right? Tell him what... He tells him what he needs, needs him to do. And without haste, Joseph springs into action and uh, protects Jesus. You know, Mary and Jesus. But while Joseph is protecting Mary and Jesus, what happened, right? What happened? What was the devastating thing that happened then, all right? It was not so bad enough that Herod just got furious and angry, but he took his anger on the most, on, on the most heinous, heinous act to kill babies, all those baby boys, two years old and younger. Can you imagine? I mean, I have four children. Three of them are boys. Can you imagine, you know, somebody coming and pulling my baby out of my arms and killing it? Do you know? Do you know what that would do to me? Do you know how many, I mean, it's interesting that they said, you know, weeping and Rachel, you know, weeping for her children. I mean, that would have torn my heart out. My heart, my organ, my brain, my liver, every organ. And of those of you who are listening, if you're you're moms, you know 
that when, and I can't speak for fathers because I'm, I'm not a man, but you know when your baby is sick, there, I mean, nothing in your body feels right, right? Your liver feel like it's in your throat. Your heart feel like it's in your foot. You know, your stomach feel like it's in your mouth. It's like someone just went inside your, your, your body and played musical chairs. And if they are, if they feel like they're in the same spot, it feels like somebody's squeezing them. All right. It doesn't feel right. And this is just if your child is sick. So can you imagine having, having to um, see your, uh, have your, have your child killed and then having you witness the, 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 the killing? I mean, this is just too much. It's like, take me away, father. If you're going to take my son, take me away too. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be good to anybody else, you know? I need to go straight to the insane asylum because that's that's that will push me over the edge. So this, so what a what a you know like polarizing opposites, right? The birth of Jesus happening on one, Joseph hearing the the beautiful message that warns him so that he can protect Jesus and, and Mary, and yet on the other hand, the massacre of all these children these innocent children and their mothers, their families, their fathers, I mean, their neighbors, what it did to that whole community. I remember when I heard about Sandy Hook, you know, when the, the children in that elementary school uh, were, were massacred. Oh, believe you me. Oh, my heart was, I was not right. It, I was, oh no, that was just like, oh, it was like, what? Elementary school? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know? Seriously? Is this evil coming all the way to elementary school now? Is no no building safe? Alright? Then you hear about churches. You know, there was a shooting in the church. You're like doing a prayer meeting? And this person like attended the prayer meeting and at the end decided to shoot people in a movie theater? Going to Walmart? So you wonder, I mean, is there anywhere in the world that's safe from all of this? You know, and I'm I'm sure that when we look at the beauty of knowing that the Savior was was born, He existed. Those children didn't know. Their parents didn't know that their, the Savior was near. They had no idea that that Jesus was probably a stone throw away. They had no idea that greatness resided right in their neighborhood or not too far. That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, was actually on that earth at that time. And sometimes when we see, when we witness or we hear about horrific things, it is easy. It is understandable for us to feel overwhelmed with grief, frustration, sadness, anger, you name it. I mean, you could throw a few more adjectives in there, right? Understandably so. But if we think back at what, just in this particular reading, about what happened, that massacre taking place, Jesus, and that the, the light of the world was also in existence. And not knowing that that light, at that time, nobody knew on that earth, the light, Jesus his life ministry on earth was going to cause so many people to love better, to laugh, to be healed, 
and that his ministry of love, peace, and a renewed understanding of our greater purpose was going to spread through all the corners of the earth in that one body, in that one little baby, you know, a helpless baby. So I think what I've taken from that, and I can say that I can kind of identify with some of that on a personal level, that even when sadness or frustration, unspeakable acts have occurred, I know that Jesus is in our midst. I know that he's in our midst. I know that when, uh, with everything that's happened with the with this world, and when we see cruel things on the earth, and we just get overwhelmed, it is quick to say, you know what? Why why bother? Just throw in the towel. You know, I'm, I'm done. And this is just too much. I can't take it anymore. It is at that time that we have to tap in. We have to. We have to remember to just like when that massacre was taking place, and those parents, those parents were screaming. For the loss of their children, Jesus, the Savior of the world, was being born. And even with the coronavirus and all the loss of lives and all, you hear all these sad pictures. You see the, you saw pictures of the trucks, the, the freezer trucks with bodies and people saying goodbye on the on a on FaceTime with their loved ones. You know, you're like seriously, you're afraid. You know, you it just it's just crippling, right? It is easy for us to be lost in all of that. But we have to also remember, remember that Jesus, goodness, all right, love is happening, is in our midst. It's in our heart. We see it in the in the lives of our first responders. We see it in the lives of the people who are committing to um, the, um, those essential workers, the doctors who are putting the lives of their families, doctors and nurses are at risk, you know, and not being able to, some of them having to move away and live in the, in the basement because they can't even interact with their families because of their, um, you know, going in high-risk uh, settings. Time and time again, you know, all these parents are having to stay home now and, you know, and having for the first time, having to be mother, teacher, psychologist, social worker, and, and, and it feels like parole officer with their kids, right? You know, like you have to play detective, like, are you really on, on the computer or are you doing, um, on your phone, you know, Snapchatting with somebody else, <laughs> You know, it's like you're, you're having to be on the, you know, and it's stretching you because it's like, okay, you know, I'm a parent too, but I'm also, I've been a teacher and a principal and everybody believes they know about education because they went to school. But now that you have to stay home and you have to be, I mean, even though there's a teacher on the computer, technically there's a teacher on the computer, but we all know you're the one having to do a lot of this stuff, right? And all of a sudden... Now it's like a whole new world. Now there's a whole new appreciation for teachers. You know, whole new appreciation for teachers. Whole new appreciation for medical. They said um, doctors. They said that the um, uh, children who, uh, uh, the enrollment for, um, I think, medical school has increased since the pandemic, right? So, you know, it is easy, like I said before, to, to look at sorrow and cling to sorrow or we can look at the Savior. 
we choose. It's one or the other. We can we can sit in sorrow or we can choose to embrace the Savior. My bet is on the Savior. I'm going to hang on to the Savior because sorrow is always going to, it's going to wax and wane. It's going to come and go, you know. Um, it has no rhyme or reason, to, but the Savior has, has always been so constant. He's been an ever-present uh, ever strong presence in my life and I know that as I look reflect on on a lot of the things that have occurred in my life I know that yes there were unspeakable acts there was sorrow but you know what there was so much salvation there was so much saving okay there was so much healing yes yes there was pain but there was there was also peace, all right? Yes, there were problems, all right? But there was always a promise. There was always a, a promise that those problems for me were not going to be permanent. They were not going to be permanent. And I just hang on. To, I just I just held on to that. Or I just held on to that. And I walked in that faith. I'm like, oh, yep. I may not have a foot now, but it's going to come. It's coming. Alright, it's coming. And that's that's how I live. That's how I live and that's how I choose to live. Um, and so it's, it's a such a uh, beautiful me- message for us to kind of remember. Um, and I started to think about that at Christmas. You know, here I was. Um, okay, all of the plans did not go exactly as I um, wrote down, right? Uh, so Biagio did not do the turkey. Blaze did the turkey. Um, I ended up doing a little few prep work for side dishes and giving a, um, more instructions than I wanted to, but, you know, this is the first time everybody was doing everything, so that was fine. Um, and, you know, we had to take an after-church, uh, on Christmas, we always take pictures with the family, and the kids didn't want to take pictures. They were, they were sulking because everybody wasn't together. This was a different type of, type of Christmas. And I wanted, I said, yes, this was a different Christmas, but it was still Christmas. Yes, we are all of the family not together. Um, Maximus wasn't there, and Andre wasn't there. And so for them, it was not Christmas, and they didn't want to smile because Maximus wasn't there. And I said, you know what? He's, um, he, we spoke to him. We sang him songs for Christmas. He sang us songs on the phone, and, and it was, we had a Zoom call with him. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But I, I also was aware that I missed my baby, um, and so I was, I was tugging, tugging with that sorrow, or embracing the sorrow, or embracing the savior. And whenever I had that, you know, that gripping feeling of sorrow in my stomach, I just embraced the savior, and I asked him to just hold me. And I just, it just pulled me right back. So we just continued. We did our wonder, watch It's a Wonderful um, Life. Um, the movie we watched um, every Christmas Eve. We had our meal. Um, it was a, it was a really, it was a really good Christmas. It was a good Christmas. And I, I say that because truly it was. It was, um, it was a different Christmas, but it was still Christmas. Um, and I do pray that um, you had an opportunity to simplify things. Um, and I did that myself. There were, I didn't even put 
cranberry um, sauce on the table. I mean, we, we had we, it was so simplified. It would maybe that's why it was it would it could have been a lot more um, stress uh, and you know stressful. But um, because I I you know I was really listening to the message I sent out to you because I needed to hear it to really um, embrace simplicity this Christmas. I took that to heart, and I think that's why it was. A real, a real good Christmas, and I was happy that um, that we were together. And I trust that you were able to have some time with your family and to embrace um, your Christmas tradition, however different it was. It was still Christmas, and let's not label it as a wrong Christmas. It was just Christmas. All right, we have no idea what next Christmas will be like. We just know that um, that we're going to choo- choose to embrace the Savior and not the sorrow. So, Heavenly Father, at this time, we ask you to continue to enter into our hearts so that we can hear we we can hear your voice just ringing out to us. And even if we can't hear it in the daytime, we trust and we know that you'll you'll come to us in our dream. Help us to remember that we need to embrace the Savior, the reason for the season, and that is the Savior, and not just the sorrow that seemed to be an ever-present reminder of our humanity. Help us to remember uh, all of those who are less fortunate, all of those who were not able to be with their families um, this Christmas, all of those who people who had to be at the family table with because um, with one last member because they had lost their loved one. Help us to remember that we have today and today we choose love, we choose life, and we choose laughter. And Lord, help us to be like you in everything that we say and in everything that we do. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to subscribe and share the spark. God bless. Good morning and welcome to another episode of It Only Takes a Spark. Today is January 7th and the reading today comes from 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, we love God because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is begotten by God. And everyone who loves the Father loves also the one begotten by him. In this way, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is begotten by God conquers the world. 
And the victory that conquers the world is our faith. When I put, when I started to read this reading, that first part really popped out into my heart. Whoever, if you if you love if you if anyone says I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. Wow. For, you know he's a liar. Okay. Now, uh, when I started to think about this reading, and. Uh, in light of what has happened yesterday and really what has been happening in our country for quite some time, I started to think of how this gospel, how the events of the recent day or the recent uh, months, how they have impacted me and what it says to me. What is this gospel saying to me at this point in my life? I know that I have encountered people and an organization who have hurt me in the past. And I wanted to explode. I felt sad. I felt abandoned and totally alone. It was unjust. It was immoral and downright unfair. I tried to seek resolutions to these problems, but for whatever reason, the there were no consequences for these actions. And I felt that life was unfair. So at that particular point, sadness filled my heart, loss filled my heart, and the only thing that I can do was surrender all of these emotions to Christ. Surrender completely all of these emotions. The sadness, the loss, the, um, the act of feeling um, completely unfair. But before these feelings happened, something else happened many, many years ago. I learned what it meant to truly re regulate myself. I learned self-regulation. I learned the appropriate way to express my grievances. I learned how to appropriately disapprove of something and even the art of finding uh, an, an acceptable way of telling someone that I did not agree with, that, um, with them. And this is something I had to do uh, time and time again, personally, and certainly in my profession. I had people, you know, at different points yelling at me. You know, a parent would come and they would yell because something happened to their child. And the, the venom the, um, that they just, they were just, that was present. And I had to sit, listen, absorb all of that, and calmly asked them what we needed to do to resolve the situation and put an action plan in place and move on, you know, to work to improve the situation. So this was something I was taught a long time ago, but, you know, they te we teach it in kindergarten. You even teach, as parents, we teach our babies to do that. You know, a baby would cry. And if you pick the baby up every single time the baby cries, 
that baby quickly learns that, okay, if I want to get my way, all I have to do is cry. You know, you just, you will be walking around and you will never be able to put that baby down because they know exactly that this is what I need to do to get mommy to just keep me in, the, in her arms. So, and we teach children that in kindergarten. Do you know how many times as a principal, children were sent to my office because there was a disagreement? There was a fist fight. I mean, full drone drag out fight. And I had to sit them down and, you know, in my office and we had to resolve the issues over and over again. Um, we had to put steps in place. I had to find out what happened. And this was a process. They, we, we teach them this in those early years of how to appropriately deal with the situation. All right. So that they will have the skills that they need as they get older to resolve conflict, you know, to resolve um, whatever disagreements they have. This is a skill that's taught in kindergarten, first grade, elementary school, and conflict resolution is taught, you know, it's taught in our homes uh, as parents, you know, when the kids are yelling, um, you know, we have to learn it as, as, as uh, people who are married, you know, when our spouse really gets on our last nerves, we can't just take a pot and throw it at them, you know, that's not an appropriate way to deal with a situation. We can't. We can't just pick up and leave because we're just fed up with the with the, the situation at home. We can't just leave and abandon our family because we're feeling overwhelmed. We have to find appropriate ways of dealing with the situation. And as I thought as I saw the events of yesterday, I couldn't help but feel sadness and I even cried. I even cried because I said, Look at what's happening. What is happening to these people? where they're so misinformed that they feel that it was appropriate to take these extreme measures to express their disagreement. However false they, they may be, they felt they needed to resort to that extreme to express them. <coughs> and I really think that this is the time where we need to <coughs> humble ourselves I'm sorry, I have a tickle in my throat. <laughs> this is a time where I think we need to humble ourselves and really pray. Pray for uh, the country. Pray for our elected leaders. Pray for civility. Pray, pay for peace and, and sanity on earth. And I think it is also important for us to not get caught in the storm. Not to get caught in in the in the in the um in the whirlwind we can become what we fear the most you know and i think i've i've been guilty of this myself you see the venom that exists in the hearts of some people you see the toxicity that exists in their heart you see the the um the um, the delusional thoughts that seem to be so pervasive in their minds and then what happens? Hate starts to creep in your heart. Disgust or anger starts to creep in your heart. And we, if we don't watch it, if we don't watch it, we will become what we fear the most. We will become them. We will become toxic. We will become venomous. We will become 
hate. All right? Because what we will be looking at truly is ourselves in the mirror. <laughs> we have to be cognizant of that. We have to be able to root out evil. We have to be a it's okay. It's okay to to disagree. It's absolutely okay. But we can't make a cult out of it. You know, we can't we cannot lift anybody higher than Christ himself. Christ is the savior. Nobody else. Nobody else is the savior of the world but Christ. All right? We have to make sure that peace reigns in our heart. And absolutely, we need to this that's the beauty of this country that you can have all these different um different opinions and viewpoints. But you really cannot you cannot follow a a car that's going off a cliff. And the bystanders can't watch the car going off the cliff and people going down and say, uh-oh, here you go. Watch out. Be careful because y'all are going down. These people are in our family. All right? The people are there. It's just not, and this is not a new thing. If, you, if you're a student of history, you can, you can see the blueprints of chaos. Um, you know, you can see the genesis of chaos time and time again you see the seeds have been planted they're, they're not plant they weren't planted today or yesterday they've been planted and we have to be able to root them out just like a cancer we have to be able to go and cut it out and do the chemotherapy and just dry it all up but we start one by one with kindness with kindness and truth with calm level-headed with with sanity that's how we do it we cannot become what we fear the most christ is the savior he is the judge he's the one that will govern everything and that's what we look to in this time and that's what we will look to tomorrow we don't need to fear we don't need to fear but we need to be very vigilant at this time not just so that we not just around our country but within ourselves, we have to take that introspective look and, and, and not become what we fear the most. Heavenly Father, at this time, we ask you to give us the grace. We ask you to rain your spirit down in our hearts so that we can have the spirit of discernment. So we can know what is right, know what is appropriate uh, to say. We, we need to know what spirits to to stay away from, even if it means particular people that are toxic. Help us to find the right words and the time to say what needs to be said so that uh, people who are in darkness, darkness will see your light. Help us to love more, to learn more, to lean more on you, not just today, but tomorrow. Help us to remember that you are the beginning, you're the middle, and you will be the end. Help us to remain calm. Help us to remain patient. Help us to meet, remain vigilant um, in our lives. And help us to be more like you in everything that we say and in everything that we do. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to share the spark. God bless.